Amen. Very good. All right. So uh, we're going to continue recording. We've been doing that recently and uploading those. So on our podcast app or on Facebook, the podcast section, or on Spotify, you can go and listen to the men's breakfast portion. And then uh, our messages are out there on the podcast, of course. And then today you'll see uploaded brand new, new video and audio podcast. We're going to start doing every week as follow-ups to the message from Sunday morning. So we're going to drill down a little bit deeper in these, these video audio podcasts and start addressing some of the questions that people have following a Sunday morning message. So like, for example, there'll be two that come out today, and one of them deals with how do I get past this pit of self-punishment? And then the second one is how do I get past the weight of perfectionism in my life? So uh, you could hear some very practical exchange back and forth. It's me and Truett on these, these first two that have come out. We'll be involved in different staff and members along the way in that discussion. So those are out there for everybody. All right, let's continue on our series, uh, Overwatch, today. We've been looking at the enemies that are spiritual threats to us as men and in our families. And we've been talking about how it is our responsibility as men, as husbands, as fathers, as brothers in Christ to assess the threat and eliminate the threat. So if you've played any online uh, war games or even if you've been in actual battle, one of the pieces that happens in battle is someone is the sniper. And the sniper is usually positioned far away from the battlefield. He has weaponry that allows him to make very precise shots. He's uh, usually camouflaged. He has lots of intel, and he has a very specific target. He's usually not just looking for anybody. He's looking for high-value personnel. He's looking for commanders. He's looking for uh, drivers. He's looking for people that he can eliminate, because if he can eliminate them, then he can bring damage to another military group. So it's important to remove the sniper important to get him out of play because he'll bring damage to you. And he does it from a long distance. You don't always see him. But when he takes his shot, he's usually lethal. So when it comes to spiritual warfare, the enemy, as we've seen, is uh, after us. Our, Our spirit belongs to God, but he is still after our soul. Remember, we've been talking about the difference between spirit and soul. Spirit is that core of me that has been redeemed, that belongs to God. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. And those are still in process of being transformed to the image of God. They are the ones that are being conformed and renewed and made new. And the enemy is after that. He wants your thoughts. He wants to control your emotions and your behavior. And he'll do so through his Very precise shots as a sniper, and we see that here in Ephesians 6, 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. The enemy is deceptive. He sometimes uh, sits back at a distance. He's going to camouflage himself, and he's going to take aim, and he knows He knows where to take the shot. He knows what will take each of us down. So as men, one of the things that we have to be aware of 
is that the enemy's shot is designed to instill in you great shame, regret, guilt, and condemnation. And he will do all he can to take that shot at your mind, your will, and your emotions because if he can get into you a bullet of guilt, regret, shame, or condemnation, he can remove you from the battlefield. Because what happens in your, what happens in your life the minute you become overwhelmed with guilt, shame, regret, or condemnation? Tell me, what happens to you? Yes, you do. You shut down instantly. What else? Yes, you start second-guessing everything. Yes, you lose your passion. Your movement forward ends. What else? Yes, you start pulling away from others. Yes. You see how lethal it is? Just one shot of guilt, one shot of condemnation, one shot of shame into your life, and the enemy can stop you, eliminate your ability to have an impact. David? You can break down your line of communication. Yes. Yeah, it breaks down communication between you and God, between you and your wife, between you kids, between you and anyone else in your life, because you instantly become so inward focused. You start focusing back on yourself, back on what you've done, back on how weak you are, back on your past, and you start playing the tape of the past, whatever it was, whether it was yesterday past or 10 years ago past. You start replaying that tape, and he's, the enemy is the master at that. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who wants to hit rewind and replay over and over again for you on your failures. So he wants you to become more overwhelmed with your sin than on Christ who paid for your sin. He wants you to be weighed down instead of raised up. He wants you to be crippled with regret instead of walking in freedom. He can't take away your eternal standing, but he can sure make you ineffective in the battle today. And if you're ineffective, you can't assess the threat for your wife. If you're ineffective, you can't assess the threat for your children, and you're out of play. So he's after you. There's a target on you. And he is looking to eliminate your abilities. So here's his work, to see your sin greater than the atonement of Christ. That's what he wants to do. He wants you to turn inward and look at what you've done instead of looking at what Jesus has done. That verse I mentioned is in Revelation 12.10. It says, Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. He's relentless. Day and night accusing. Replay. Rewind, replay. Keep replaying the sin. Because if you get weighed down in your guilt, get weighed down in condemnation, you become ineffective. And then the other thing that happens with that is we usually end up turning to something to try to medicate the feeling because it's miserable. 
guilt and condemnation and rejection is a miserable feeling. And if you think that drawing closer to God only makes that greater, then you'll draw close to something else to try to feel better. You'll turn to something. You'll turn to something to try to medicate that pain within you. But the work of the Spirit of God is just the opposite. The Spirit of God is trying to get you to see the atonement of Jesus as greater than your sin. What Jesus has done is greater than your sin. So Hebrews 10 tells us this. It says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Here is that admonition to draw near. Get up close. Come on into the throne room of God. You don't have to make yourself perfect before you come in. You come because Jesus has made the way perfect for you. You come because of what he's done. You come in faith. But when you let guilt, shame, and condemnation take over, man, it starts messing with so many parts of our life. Look at the bottom down there. Here are the things that start happening. You start replaying past sin on loop. We've talked about that. You start carrying around shame of past failure. It just, it just hangs out on the shelf in your head back there. And it just, it, the enemy keeps you aware of it at all times. He, he doesn't want you to forget it. He wants to keep playing that up. You don't move forward in your faith. You get stuck in a very dark place. You actually start believing maturity is wearing guilt and pessimism. That's kind of a weird thing, but it happens. In certain faith groups, they play up this idea that you need more guilt. And so you get in certain churches, and it's a lot more about more guilt than it is more freedom. It's a lot more about more... <laughs> it's more, more condemnation instead of more forgiveness. And then you... In certain groups, they play that up to the point where they start thinking that that is actual maturity, that the more you can beat yourself up, the more you can talk down to yourself, the more you just walk around with just the weight of the world on your shoulders, they actually call that maturity. And that's, that's twisted, right? Have you ever been around a group like that, a church or faith group, where you know, the more you beat yourself up, you were kind of considered the more spiritual. That's messed up. The wound also does this. It, you start making decisions then based on guilt. That's not how you and I are called to walk. You and I are called to walk in the spirit. We're called to walk by faith. We're called to make decisions based on faith, not out of guilt, not out of trying to repay, not out of trying to uh, somehow offset what we've done in the past. That's what Jesus did. That's what the cross did. Don't let guilt be a decision maker for you. Let faith be a decision maker for you. It also makes us punish ourselves for our failures. We talked about that some Sunday where you start thinking, I've got to make bad choices. I've got to beat myself up because of my sin. 
That's messed up again. It's, it's natural in certain faith groups, but I'm telling you, that leads to dark places. That is, that is ignoring what Jesus did on the cross. It makes us believe we should not receive forgiveness, favor, or blessing. It makes us avoid prayer, worship, Bible reading, church, and even other Christians start saying, well, I just don't deserve to be around that. I don't feel good enough to do that yet. What? What? This is what the cross is for. Why would you run from that? It makes you intentionally choose less than God's standards, and it makes you feed that inner voice of disapproval, judgment, and gloom. You start just listening to that voice. You start giving into it. You assume that that is actually normal. On the back, we read some of the ways that starts affecting our actual mind, will, and emotions. It makes us have racing thoughts. It takes us into depression. You have this ongoing pessimism. You, you can't see anything positive in the future. Everything's negative. Everything's terrible. Everything's the worst. You get into the posture of pain. You can, people who've walked in this for a long time, you actually see it in their posture. They can't stand upright anymore. They, you just see it in how they stand, in how they walk. They carry themselves with their pain. The Bible says you and I have been made upright in the Lord. We're called to stand up confidence, looking forward, not looking down, looking ahead, moving on in faith. This is what we're called to. You start expecting the negative to happen. You start just expecting life's gonna be terrible, bad things are gonna happen, it's gonna be the worst, and that's all you see, and that's all you talk about, and that's all you expect. And the thing, that you, the thing that you fear the most will actually come upon you. The thing that you dwell on the most will happen to you because you've put yourself in that path instead of acting and thinking in faith. You stay in a continual sadness. You start having this need, as we said, for food, alcohol, and drugs to medicate. You're just emotionally drained. Difficulty seeing any hope. You're withdrawn, as, as, we, as we mentioned. You start even having unexplained pains something we hadn't dealt with yet here or on Sunday morning, but we will, is there is a physical price ultimately for spiritual and soul-ish diseases. Mark? Insomnia. Insomnia. It's a very physical one. You all of a sudden can't sleep. And some people on the other end of it, they sleep too much. They, they, they only want to sleep because they, it helps them get away from all the racing thoughts that go on. There is a physical impact. Someone else going to say anything? All right. <clears throat> At the worst of all of this is someone becomes suicidal. They just think, you know, escaping would be better <clears throat> than carrying the weight of all the guilt and the shame and the condemnation. And in that moment, the enemy says, gotcha, done. My work's done here. This shows up in relationships, of course. You start having uh, symptoms of this there. You have difficulty at looking others in the eye because you feel less than everybody else. You can't dare look anybody in the eye because they might see you for who you are. That's what you think. You start wanting to avoid being around others who are joyful and confident because it just reminds you of your own weakness you start thinking God is against you in even having healthy relationships. Sometimes people make bad decisions in relationships because they're so weighed down with guilt and shame. The guy chooses the girl that you think, why did you choose her? Or the girl chooses the guy and you think, him, really? 
it often comes from a place where they are so weighed down with their own guilt and their own shame, their own rejection, they can't even imagine having a man that would respect them and love them and care for them. So they choose lesser. Uh, they start looking to be with others who are in the same places of darkness and despair, and they choose unhealthy relationships even out of guilt. They don't choose it out of faith or out of truth. They just choose out of guilt. We used to see this a lot in youth ministry. It still happens. I'm sure Truett can attest to this. If a, if a student walks into a room where there's a bunch of other students and the student is depressed and weighed down with shame and guilt and you just see it all over them, they will find the others in the room who are the exact same ones like them. They, and they just, zoop, they just magnetize to one another. Uh, David's seen that in school settings. It happens. They're just drawn to one another because they assume, well, I need to be around some other dark people like myself uh, who are in a place of darkness. It happens. It doesn't happen just with students. It happens with adults, too. I know you see it happen in work environments as well. So this is a powerful weapon and bullet that the enemy has. He'll take, he's looking to take us out with this shot. So I want us to talk today about how do we get past that because nobody wants to be taken out with this bullet. Nobody wants to go down with this one. Here's some things that fit with our discussion last week. Number one, you've got to recognize where guilt, shame, and condemnation have impacted your life. You have to be honest about this. And sometimes that means some very honest and painful conversations, maybe about church environments that you've grown up in, maybe about places that you've been where Guilt and shame was bigger than hope and forgiveness. Have you been around some church environments like that? Where the weight, where you left on a Sunday morning feeling worse about yourself than you did when you went in, you know, and you, and you went throughout the week uh, looking forward to but not looking forward to church, you know, or even reading your Bible or praying. Uh, all those things, the enemy's looking to take you down in that. So you have to think back through, okay, how has this impacted me? How has this affected my own emotion, my own thoughts, my behaviors, my choices, my relationships? Has guilt and shame and condemnation played a part in my life? You have to be honest about that and wear it for a moment. Second thing, repent of it. If you've walked in that, then say, God, I know that voice is not from you. The enemy's trying to take me out. I reject and I repent of, the, of listening to the voice of my failures, of my rejection, condemnation, and guilt. You have to break that stronghold. And the, if you've walked in it for a long time, this will not be an easy step. If you've carried it for a long time, if this has been even your view of God, this will not be an easy step. If you think he is that angry father in heaven with a big stick who's looking to smack you on the knuckles for every sin you've committed and is still trying to make you pay for everything you've done, it may take you a while to undo that image, but you must because Jesus took your punishment. He took the beating so that you could be free from that. And this needs to be a renewing of your mind. Third, <clears throat> reject the pull to being held captive again. Man, once you know this spirit of guilt, it's essential that you reject it when it shows up again. Uh, 
Romans 8.1 just became my, my go-to for so long. It still is. But I remember when I was in the process of trying to rebuild this in my own heart and mind, uh, just reminding myself, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I can't tell you how many times I said that over and over again, meditating on it, contemplating what that means and taking that truth in and being free from my sin. You and I are not made to keep carrying your weight and your guilt of your sin. That's what Jesus did on the cross. And then the fourth one is rebuild your patterns now with faith and confidence. So interesting how the enemy wants to keep us from being at a place where we just are at rest where we're free, where we know we're forgiven, and we know we have hope. Why is it so hard for us, especially as men, to just accept the fact your sin has been paid for, you are free, you can turn and walk away from your past? Why is that so hard for men to take in? It is. There's a stubbornness that comes with (laughs) <laughs> it is a natural part of who we are as men sometimes. Admitting weakness. Say it again. Admitting, admitting weakness. Yes. <clears throat> it's true. It, it's Yes. He's relentless. Yes. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you're right. The kingdom has a different, different process to it. The kingdom doesn't have that transactional element to it where you do to try to get. He says, no, I've done it. You receive it by faith. And that totally transforms a man when you ignite faith to believe that instead of trying to work for it instead. Other thoughts? It's true. It's true. And there are consequences. That is true. If you do this, this will happen. But the cross says Jesus took the consequences of your sin. Jesus took the weight. Jesus took the guilt and removes it from you. You don't have to carry that on your own anymore. It's a new day. And this is why the enemy is so ruthless with this, this day and night process of just continually keep pointing it out, keep pointing it out, keep bringing it back up, keep reminding you because it will take you out of action, right? All right, so let's talk about this at your tables there. Have someone lead the discussion. Uh, This is very real for all of us. There's no man in this room immune from it, and it's important that we discuss how we recognize this in our own life and the steps we will take to remove it. So y'all talk about this.